Well, hello, 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 boys and girls. Welcome back to this, another episode of the Listen Boys and Girls podcast. Super excited because it is a bonus Soul to Soul Saturday episode. And I am delighted to have one of my favorite people in the world join me on this very sensitive subject because when we talk about underestimating and undervaluing ourselves, that is something that many of us do, unfortunately, but it's something that we have to really look at and understand why we do it so that we can stop doing it. I am thankful because I do have lots of people in my life who are connected to me in different ways that have enriched my life over the period of these almost 48 years. And this is one of those people that I'm able to share everything with. And so I'm thankful to be able to share this very transparent conversation with you all. Underestimating ourselves, undervaluing ourselves um, is, is definitely a weed in our growth garden because if you don't believe that you can do, that you can be, that you are everything that God intended us to be, then we are doing not only ourselves, but others a disservice because we were created to do major things. And we're not talking about major in someone else's assessment. We're talking about major in the assessment of the one who created us. And so whether someone else from the outside looking in perceives that thing to be great or small is irrelevant. The comparisons aren't relevant. We're here to do something. And if we don't know or if we don't believe that we can do that something, then we won't. So I'm excited about this conversation. I am not going to give a whole big prelude to who he is and all of that because he brings to the table everything that he is and you'll experience him for yourself. Hello. <laughs> I told the boys and girls that we were having a special guest, but I did With not the tell them. Class. I didn't tell them who you are. So I'll let you do that yourself. Oh, we doing intros? Okay. Yes. Uh, <laughs> give a shout out to. Uh, no, sir. <laughs> uh, my name is Winston, and I have been. I've known Donna for seven and a half years. Why do you do this? Why are you like this? It's not se- it. Okay. How okay. long has it been? It's eight and a quarter year. Okay. Apparently, you didn't carry the one, but I. <laughs> we do this every time, and I don't know why. I met you in 2012. You met me December 17th of 2012. <laughs> you can't count those 11 prior I months. I didn't. I counted December to the following December. It wasn't even a whole December. Sir, at any rate, we've known each other a while. Seven and a half years. Okay. And? What do you mean, and? And, and? and? and here we are. And here we are. Ta-da. So at, at any rate, we are talking today about a topic that's sensitive for me because it's still an ongoing process of um, learning how to unlearn the things that brought me to this place. And so... Um, For those who are joining for the first time and have the fortuitous experience of this transparent conversation with myself and Winston, I'll just say that you're here for a reason. I think we all are. And with that being said, I know that there are lessons that we learn um, just by experiences and having connected with many people over the course of my adulthood and even in my younger years, I've learned lots of things. And that's the purpose of this podcast, in fact, is just to share what we've learned already so that someone who is on the course of learning can gather those lessons and glean that experience without having to go 
through the negative aspects of learning the, uh, the lesson. So we have continued through our pruning project this season and come to the letter U. And it's, it's right off the heels of our last lesson of being um, traumatized and triggered. And talking about undervaluing and underestimating ourselves, I think is somewhat related, um, for me at least. I know that a lot of my underestimation comes from some of those traumatic experiences of being compared to other people, of not having esteem for myself or not believing in myself based on messages that were planted by other people. So there's a lot, you know, as we move through our own life experiences and changes and challenges, there's so many things that we uncover. And in so doing, we sometimes cover them back up. <laughs> so you know, if we look at our lives and our experiences as this growth garden, we have to look at those things that have potential to bud and bloom and be amazing. And we have to look at those things that are surrounding the potential and choking it out. So that's what our conversation is about today. And you and I have talked about this unofficially many times. And so what what is your take on why we why we do that, why we underestimate, I mean, why we undervalue. Everybody's journey is different. I know, I hate when people say me personally. For me, <laughs> um, you know, I me, myself up, and I. Yeah. <laughs> when people say, I feel as though. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel as though. But, um, you know, I grew up in the inner city of DC and I went to a black school where I had black teachers who told us we were great and we were achievers and we would succeed so it didn't for me it didn't come from school and it didn't come from my family shockingly as a child mine came from my friends wow um because and you've met my mom and my sister i don't know if you've met any of my brothers they're all on the very lighter side of things mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and on the lighter spectrum for uh for some white people they light skin <laughs> and i am not uh, but my father was my color and I always, I never, my, my mother and my siblings never talked about skin tone or skin color, but it was always my friends who would say, mm -hmm. Winston, why are you so dark? How do you fit in that family? How are you so the black sheep as oh. I would be called? And so that I remember my earliest, like one of my earliest memories is feeling like I was so dark and not good enough. Wow. To be in my family. And then when you would see us like in a picture together, my eyes went right to me. Like, do I belong? Am I good enough to be here? Like that's for me. I mean, just dealing with my therapy sessions and remembering as early as I can. That's, I think, where mine started. Wow. You know, that's powerful. And I think um, a lot of people don't recognize uh, how how traumatic and impacting colorism is in our communities. I mean, I think. You know, and, and what's what's interesting is that you're really, you know, um, not that dark. It's not like you are. And nothing's wrong with being super it's dark. Not. It's, it's not. It's not. I felt so the opposite of my family. I, I understand because I, I, you know, it's, it's seven of us, um, seven of my mother's children, and we are all different complexions. And. I didn't have those shout experiences. Out to well, shut up. Don't shout my mother out on here. Don't you say it either, because I know what you're thinking. Okay. <laughs> don't don't do it. Anyway, um, I I I I know that, you know, having those various complexions and it, you know, I I was born in 73, so coming up in the, you know, 70s, 80s, it, that was a big thing. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't as that wasn't as impactful for me. It, it, it's it's crazy because I've always been one of the heavier people in my family but um you know and it was always incentives well if you lose this weight I'll buy you a whole wardrobe I'll do this I'll do that Who said but that? different people in my family oh wow you know but it was well-meaning because it was supposed to inspire me to do mm -hmm. you know other things but I from that point it was the seed was planted that if you are fat or overweight or you know in a in a position that other people don't perceive to be savory then you you're not going to be able to to do or have anything if you don't if you don't change this outer appearance then you're not going to be acceptable so the undervaluing came and I tell the story and you know I am 
a very transparent person. I tell a lot of my stories because I know that they're not singular. My my story is one of many of the same story in different in different lives and experiences. And it's funny because, you know, Catfish is a whole show and a whole thing now. But I <laughs> it's not it's not funny, but I laugh about it now. And the person that I, you know, had this experience with, we laugh about it as well. I was like literally the one of the first catfish ever before it was ever a show. Like in in the in the eighties. You mean you I, were I catfished somebody. Wait, in the eighties, you was we were sending people pictures. And listen through the mail, <laughs> ma'am. This snail mail catfish. That's I feel like that's a different. That's whiting right there. That ain't even catfish. Wait, why I love a whiting though? <laughs> but listen, and I take it to the undervaluing because I had this message that I could never be accepted the way that I was, and I love, 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 love my family. My my sister Nisi it or didn't shut up. My I I I have always thought she was one of the most beautiful women in the world, right? Yeah, I, shut up. And yeah. so I um I she had is to, cute though. Her little eyes and stuff. She is shut cute. up. I I took a picture of her and sent it to you somebody. You used a relative, you ain't even used a stranger. <laughs> How, who who strange what stranger picture I'm gonna get? I don't know them pictures that come with the frames and stuff. Wow, for real! And they was they they didn't look like me. Well, At any rate, they were on was, the whiter side. Of <laughs> it was it was a guy that I really really liked. Well, you and meet what, this guy that you smelling. Can his I tell the story and Fine. all will be revealed? I was in the the bars. I was in the uh, seventh grade, I believe. Fast. I was in the seventh grade and I worked in the office because I've always been very polite and extraordinarily helpful. So I always had a job in the office answering phones and all that. So anyway, this was my classmate. She was nosy. Wow. This was my classmate. And um, I really, really liked him. And we laughed and joked and talked all the time in the class. But he didn't like me because when I was darker and I was heavier mm -hmm. and, you know, peer pressure kids, you know, seventh grade. So at any rate, <clears throat> I um this was in the time of chat lines and you know call somebody and all that kind of thing. So anyway, I got his uh, phone number from the office, and um I called him. And you know back then it was it, guys didn't have a whole lot of games. So he didn't you recognize call, your voice. Listen, if he if you call somebody's house, we had caller ID and stuff like that. But if you call somebody's house and um you Ask for the wrong person. If it was a guy, they Man, would normally. Can you hear me? You can't hear me. Now I can. Okay. So um. You're still breaking up. What are you doing? I'm not doing anything. Okay, you're good now. I'm I'm sitting right here. But anyway, I actually um called him and he was like, "Oh, you had a wrong number." But as guys did at that time, oh, but you sound cute. What's your name? So I did this whole, I, I knew that <laughs> was going to happen. did that, but okay. But maybe it was a Detroit thing. I don't yeah, know. But anyway, it's so cold in the day. <laughs> anyway, he How was to, like, so okay. you sound you sound nice. You know, you sound cute. What's your name? And I was like, no, I'm sorry. I got the wrong number. I'll, that's okay. I'll try to reach, you know, who I'm trying to reach. But I knew he was going to do that. So I made up the whole thing. And so I literally talked to this guy. Um for almost two years. I'm sorry. <laughs> this was seventh grade. I he, clandestine, distant. <laughs> Go ahead. But I, you know, I mailed him the picture in the mail. I asked, you know, we had this whole of long, Denise. Yeah. We Did had you this tell whole, Denise? No. Oh. I told her later. But y'all lived in the same city. He ain't never run into Denise. We lived in the same house. Denise is seven years older than I am. No, no, no. I'm saying he didn't live. He didn't like run into her outside somewhere. With where? What circle would he run into her at? No. With us being seven years apart. Detroit. No. So he never ran. I mean, there was no potential of him ever knowing that it wasn't me. And so, um, Denise, oh, so stop. Shut up. So anyway, sir, this is the 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 story about how. I this whole undervaluing business. And so he um like I said, at the end of seventh grade, all of eighth grade, um, all of the summer, eighth grade, into the ninth grade, we talked, we always talked. We talked on the phone and everything. And so we ended up going to the same high school. Very long story short, 
um, we had an, an altercation in a biology class. And, you know, then I exposed that I was this Lisa that he had been talking to for two and a half years. It was explosive. But he hit um, you. No, he didn't hit me. He knew better than that. He threw something your way. No, but he <laughs> it was funny because we were again, we were in biology. We were the second frog. And we were talking about um, lipids and things like that. <laughs> he called me a fatty acid. <laughs> <laughs> very funny but it was very hurtful <laughs> in the in the that's how we got into an argument and then that's when i exposed you know the thing they right go ahead right right then he caught <laughs> he that's how we got into the argument and then i exposed that i was lisa and then he was like so embarrassed because he had told everybody about this lisa this woman he had that was in college and da, 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 da. and so all these people knew all this stuff and and then when i told him it was me and i changed my voice in the class and i was like saying all the stuff that he was saying to me it was it was traumatic for him. And I'm sure that was traumatic for him. I didn't of course we don't we don't recognize the trauma we put other people through. Yeah, I've talked to this day. Actually, we I, we ended up in a relationship later in life. And he, um he calls you yeah. Lisa when y'all got busy. What? There was no busyness. <laughs> there was no busyness. But um but the long story is that <laughs> he that was traumatic for him as well because we've talked about it as adults and he was like that was really grimy of you to do i was that like was. I'm not. but it wasn't intentional so when i watched oh, catfish you, sometimes, you accidentally mailed him the no it wasn't i'm not saying it was an accident what i'm saying it was it came from a place of undervaluing who i was mm -hmm. because i knew he liked me as a person i knew that but i knew that the, i felt that there was no value to who i was outwardly so it would diminish who I was inside that was my that was my message that was my narrative so I was operating on a narrative that was damaged you know <clears throat> but those seeds that are planted in us that make us feel um less than they don't go away unless we we do the work to get them out you know we that that doesn't go away and so you know I I tell the story and I tell it with with humor now because I'm very much over it. I've, you know, we've made amends and it's, it's something in both of our made past, but amends. Oh, okay. When you replay this, listen to what you say, but go ahead. Well, at, at any rate, we, um, <laughs> we, we definitely were able to come to an understanding as to what happened and why. And, and, you know, there was forgiveness because it was, it was wrong. So I had to apologize because that's what you are supposed to do. But then he apologized too, because he kind of humiliated you in the class. He did. He did. And he said, you know, he was sorry for not, not coming across or being the kind of person that I felt like I could just say, I like you too. You know, and he was like, you were probably right for doing it because I was, you know, an a-hole back then. And I was concerned about, you know, what my boys thought and this and that. He was like, I, but I did like you. He said, I really did actually like you. And so, you know, um, we we had an adult conversation about, you know, this adolescent um, experience. But at the same time, we have to look at those things that happen to us those things that are a part of our experiences that we dismiss like it was nothing because everything is a part of who we are and if we don't unpack those things and if we don't do the needful then it's going to be a problem for us that that comes out later in life you know and so and you talked about where yours came from how has it manifested over the years um you know i i was a child when that was happening. And so you know this, but your listeners don't know this. Um, I joined the military still as a child, um, 16 and a half years old. Really? I, turned, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm, I turned 17. I feel like I told you, maybe not, but I turned 17 in the military. Wow. Um, because I graduated early because um, I started school early. It's a long story. My mother will get in trouble because she snuck me in school early. Oh, but anyway. That, that expose um, for Barbara. Yeah. Shout out to Barbara. Yeah. Current affair. Remember that? Oh. But um, <laughs> You were a baby still. Yeah, I was a baby, but I'm still carrying that I'm too dark. I'm not good enough. I'm not. I don't fit in. And then I joined the military where I am formally trained with weapons and how to kill and, you know, being taught these hand-to-hand -hand combat skills. and At 16 at, and a half. At 17. Yeah, now I'm 17. I turned 17 that, that first, those six months in. 
And now the people in the military who are old enough to be my father are putting more of their, I guess, assumptions and, and views on me. Like, oh, you're from DC. I know you know how to shoot a gun. Um, Cause you know, DC was the murder capital of the world at that time. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, you from DC. So I know you got drugs in your history and, you know, you're a young black male. So I know there's certain things that, that I, people assumed I knew about or that I uh, participated in, which I really didn't. I was a baby. I had to have both my parents sign me in. So here I am serving the country, but feeling like I don't even fit in anywhere, mm-hmm. let alone in the military where I'm dealing with people from Kentucky, <clears throat> Mississippi, white Ooh. boys from Arkansas who've never seen a black man in person who literally came up to me and said, what does your skin feel like? Wow. Um, you know, I'm 17. I don't know. I'm like, my skin feel like your skin. Um, so it it manifested in in various ways where I'm, I'm sent to Saudi Arabia, Afghanistan, Iraq, and I'm having to fight for a country that really don't value me. Right. Um, and still trying to process, like, I'm good enough to fight for my country. I'm good enough to be sent here. I'm obviously good enough to be recognized as a top soldier because I would get these awards and these commendations and stuff like that. But at the same time, I go home and I feel like, well, I don't fit in with my family. I'm not good enough here. I'm not good enough here. I kind of like, I've always kind of been a loner because of that. Like I have friends, but I don't run in a circle, if that makes sense. That helps um, Yeah, that, shut up. Um, <laughs> but I, um, and, and now, you know, I'm the age that I am. And I'm. And um, what age is that, Mr. Was, Chapman? Uh, two years younger than you. <laughs> so <laughs> carry that one. Uh, and <laughs> it, it comes up in projects at work. It comes mm-hmm. up in dealing with, and it's so funny, I never thought about this until now. I have this history of when I got out of the military, I I look back at it now. God, I can't believe I'm saying this. I've always worked for like the top people, mm-hmm. wherever I was, even in the mm-hmm. military. Um, my first job out of the military, I worked for the president of a company. The job after that, I worked for the president of a company. Um, my current job, I worked for the president of a company. And I look back at it and I realize like part of it was I don't feel good enough. So let me go straight to the top. You know what I mean? It was almost right. Let like, me be close to the top. Yes. To oh, I, I got it. To <laughs> try to force myself to say, like, look, I'm, I belong I, here. Yeah. yeah. And it's so funny because my mother used to always say, why do you always seem to work for the top people? And I never thought about it until just now wow see how good i am for you i mean you're right <laughs> at any rate but you know what that is a, a, a powerful understanding because just just that piece of i belong here so even if if you if if you mean in the world don't put me at the top i'm going to show you that i'm supposed to be here but we sometimes, you know, shrink back from actually going to the top because we, in the back of our minds, a very small part is still saying, well, do I? Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's an everyday thing for me. Yeah. yeah. Every single day I have a moment where I say, should I be here? Should I be doing this? And luckily, I've had supervisors, I've had coworkers, I've had HR departments that have pushed me and said, Winston, you definitely do. I mean, literally last and night. For eight I years. Went, and um, friends for eight years. Seven and a half. But I went to <laughs> I went to dinner with two soon to be former coworkers last night. And one of the things they said to me was, Winston, I hope this new opportunity in your life like lets you know, like you really matter. She said to me, you know. Loads of people have left this organization. She said, but none of them are missed. She said, you're going to be missed because of the effect you have on people, the mm-hmm. the, the the way people just gravitate towards you, even though your face says, get away from me. She's like, <laughs> And it does. <laughs> and said, your lips also say that sometimes. <laughs> she said, that should tell you, like, you matter, you belong, you affect people, people value your presence. 
And it does. But again, it's an everyday reminder. Like I have notes on my mirror. I have uh, reminders in my phone. I have apps. Um, my therapist works on it with me. You know, she, she says to me, like my first session to her with her, she said, um, she said, I'm sensing some self-doubt there. She said, it seems like it goes way back. And I mean, mm-hmm. that was an hour into talking with her. Wow. And, you know, I, I get on people all the time about, you know, seeing a therapist, let alone being honest with your therapist, because you're wasting time if you go into a therapist and then just don't reveal the whole truth. It's true. And that was one of the things that was hard for me to even say to her was, yeah, I doubt myself. I um, question my worth and my value. And, you know, my friends and family, they see my social media and they're like, oh, Winston's so confident and brash and brazen and out there. And I'm like, you have no idea how much I stand in the mirror and look and pick things out oh, yeah. about myself that I hate. Absolutely. And you know what? I, I, I thank you for, you know, just being this transparent because people need to understand that what they see is not always what we see. And, and, and those people who are able to see you beyond what you don't see in yourself are very special people in your life. Because again, you know, like you said, this is an everyday thing and people do the same for me. They're like, Donna, you're this, you're this. Just like yesterday when you told me, would you please write a book? I have several books written (laughs) and none published just because every time I go to pull the trigger on it, it feels like, uh, but what if it's like Mm -hmm. not really something that goes anywhere? You know, to this very day, you know, I I look, I reread, I read and reread and reread the things I've written and things I've said and all those kinds of, of, of questions come like, well, who do you think you are? I mean, you, you're, you don't have this, you don't have that, you aren't this, you aren't that. And, you know, then the Holy Spirit comes and says, but you are everything God said you are. And that's the final say. But it's so hard at times to embrace that because of everything else that we've held on to, all those other weeds in the garden. And, you know, when you said that it was hard to even say, when your therapist identified that there was self-doubt, to, to be hard, hey, bandit, um, <laughs> to, hear, to know that it's hard to even say it. I, I remember when I had to say out loud, Oh, and I don't want to cry, Jesus. Yeah, when I, you're not crying. When I said, when I had to say out loud to my therapist, I don't love myself. Mm-hmm. It was, it to hear myself say that was like, oh, and I, I cried the rest of the whole session. And she said, that's okay, but you, you will and you can. But recognizing that you didn't and you don't is where you have to start. Because mm-hmm. if you don't, you know, and I quote Lettucey often on this podcast. This self-love thing is hard. You know, them 88 boxes. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. And she pointed out, I feel like, I don't know, remind me if I, I told this to a couple of people, but I can't remember because um, it's kind of deep for me. My therapist pointed out that I'm a control freak. Mm-hmm. And I said, I mean, you had to agree that fast, but. <laughs> I'm just saying I've agreed before, but go ahead. But. I never thought of myself as a control freak because I'm very organized, I'm very structured, I'm very calculated. And she, she I write, (laughs) Um, psychopath, but anyway, yeah, there's similar qualities. I know. That's a different podcast. Right, it is. That's a different podcast. But um, she pointed out that that comes from being so out of control behind the scenes yes, and living this life of fear, not being good enough, not being seen as good enough, being perceived as weak, walking into a room thinking, is everybody talking about me? Or somebody laughing in the corner going, is that they talking, they laughing at something about me? You know, you, you know, you got a hole in your shirt that you, that nobody really sees, but you walk in the room and a couple people laugh in the back. You're like, do they see that hole in my shirt? Look, the hole that's tucked into the yes. pants that nobody could actually yes. ever possibly see. And you'd be like, they saw it, they saw it. And she said, Winston, your control freakness comes from your fear of if I cannot have a hand or handle on everything in this situation, then I'm going to fall back into that fear. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree with that because my my therapist has, has has said something similar. You won't go into a situation that you can't be nope. able to have 
control of and have a way out of because you fear the rejection and of what could be. And it's true. When this new opportunity presented itself to me, I mean, you know this because I was texting you and calling you. That's what, what was happening to me. It was a situation that I couldn't control. I had questions that were not answered because you know me i'm a who what where when why how right how come and did your mama know and I, right like, um, and when one question is not answered i'm like yeah i can't do it and she was the one that said once to step into this this is a real personal life lesson you have to conquer and she was like you're not gonna have all those questions answered you're not gonna, right she said you just need to step out there and i did it and yeah it was scary as hell and i'm still scared as hell but um, she was walking me through it like the day before that final interview. She was like, so here's what you're going to do. She was like, these are the <laughs> steps you're going to do. And then she made me pull out my journal and she said, you go back to October when we first started talking. And she said, read to me that first goal you wrote for yourself. And I wrote new direction, more fulfilling career, change and walking into situations where I don't have control. I wrote that down in October and she, and made, she made me go back and read it. And she said, you literally asked the universe for this and it's here. And here you are backtracking. And that, that in and of itself is something that people don't recognize. We often have feelings of what we might want. And I, I, I know that writing things and, and talking things out, that's very powerful. It's biblical principle, you know, write it out, write the vision, make it plain. You know, th these are principles that, that yield results, right? And so when we get the results, we are so fearful because yep. we aren't prepared. Yeah, it wasn't done on my time. I was like, I ain't ready. Right, like, I, oh, wait, hold on. But then, you know, it's, it's so amazing that these opportunities push us to the cliff. You know, these these experiences that are really fashioned to grow us and stretch us and make us better. You know, I think about the words of, of um, Tank and the Bangers, this, this song, this interlude that I listen to all the time. And she says, push me, God, take me to the cliff and basically push me because let let me know that I can fly. Mm -hmm. And and that's something that we don't really want because nobody wants to be pushed off a cliff. But. That's the only way those who deal with fear will, will know that they can, that you get pushed to a place where you have to. And we fear those places. And a part, I know for me, a part of the underestimating and undervaluing is the fear of criticism, which again yep. is why none of these books are published because, you know, <clears throat> for so long, I'm talking the first actual quote-unquote book I wrote was in the first grade and it was published in this um this book club thing but at any rate like it was a catfish book uh, shut up can't <laughs> tell people nothing but I you know the fear of criticism comes from so many different things because when you are a miserable person you criticize everything mm-hmm and having been a miserable person, I have criticized everything before in my life. You know what I'm saying? And then when you are starting to starting to heal and, and trying to grow, you recognize all of those seeds that you've planted. And, and at the same time, you know that you might not want to be the same person, but you recognize there are other people who are the same as who you've been that could potentially cause you harm and nobody wants harm. Nobody wants criticism. Nobody, but these are, these are parts of the growing process that we have to go through and grow through. Mm -hmm. And we have to make a choice. Do you want to grow or you don't? And, and everything is not going to happen in one fell swoop. That, that doesn't happen all of the time. But if we are moving in steps and if we're moving in process, and even if sometimes we regress a little bit because of fear and we work that out and then keep moving, we have to applaud ourselves for those things. And so I do want to say that I'm very proud of you because in the time that I have known you, you've made some significant strides because I remember at one time you wasn't going to therapy and you were like, man, forget that. Yeah. I feel I like I said that. a different F word, but yeah. I, I believe that you did, but I didn't want to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure that you did, but what I am saying is, 
you not not only have you transitioned from F that you you've gotten into it, you've adjusted therapists to get somebody that was better suited for you that can take you further in your process and you promote therapy to other people. That's way different than the I'm sorry. No, I said, yeah, you're right. And so I am very proud of you and I'm thankful that who you are as a person will allow other people to know that it's possible because, you know, um, like, like you said, and, and, you know, I've always said this to you, even back in December, I'm like, I wish you could see what other people see. I've always said that. And Vaughn says that too. I'm sorry. Vaughn also says that. Love Avon. Shout out to Vaughn. We love Yvonne. She loves Yvonne. Yvonne is just okay. Cookies. So anyway, um, I, I just, I think that there are people who God strategically places in our life and experience to help us, you know, um, in, in different times, in different seasons, because everybody is not fit for every season of your life. Nope. There are some people that are, and those are, you know, those are people that have the grace that, that God gives us to be who we need to be for every season that we have to experience, whether it's in conjunction with someone else's or not. Mm -hmm. But we always have the opportunity to see what can be, whether we embrace the opportunity or not is something different. And many of us have, and some of us haven't. And I'm included in both of those groups because there are some things I've embraced and some things that I haven't, that I still have more growing to do in order to enable me to fully grasp those things. But the, the fact of the matter is, we have to have a willingness, even if we haven't accomplished it yet, we have to have a willingness to accomplish it. We have to have a willingness to say, I, I want to be a different person. Yeah, it has to. I mean, they always say you have to hit rock bottom. I don't necessarily agree that you have to hit rock bottom. But personally, I did have to hit rock bottom. I don't think everybody's like that. But I remember being suicidal and crying and sitting in the corner and lighting candles and saying, F this and I don't want to be here. And you're right. You have to decide like, okay, this that's that's kind of enough right now. So right. um and that whole self-worth happiness slash being, I guess, content, not content, but you know what I mean? Like nobody's ever perfect, but I think you're always working on stuff. My therapist mm -hmm. said to me, and I wrote this down, she said, once you learn how to be happy. She said, you will refuse to tolerate being around people who make you feel less than happy. That is true. And I, it's so real because there are relatives, there are coworkers, there are former friends who I just distanced myself from. And I used to make, I used to, because that's just who I am. I used to always let them know like, hey, I'm about to back up or hey, I'm about to just distance myself or hey, I can't deal with this. Now I just do it in silence. Because why do I need to explain that to you? You know, that's that's a powerful place um, because, like, for me, I'm always concerned about how people feel. Not not from a perspective of, um, well, it, it's, it, it has duality. It, come, it, it probably originated from a bad place, but I recognize what, what having your feelings dismissed feels like. So I'm always conscious of that. And I don't, I don't want to be part of making someone else feel a way that I don't want to feel. But I have had problems in the past telling people what I needed. And I would just make excuses for people like, oh, well, they this and they that. And, and I would just tolerate their behaviors because I wanted them in my life. But I am at a place now where if you don't value being in my life, then I have to be okay with that. Because there's a part of the process that says, I value who I am and what I bring to any experience. And I know that you being connected to me is, is a value. And if you don't know that, it's nothing I can do to help you. So I have to value myself and continue my process without you being a part of it. Mm -hmm. And that's a different perspective. But at the same time, it is the same bandit. She said amen. <laughs> but, um, you know, so it, it's, it's, it's so much that we battle with and if we don't acknowledge what the actual battle is we'll never win yeah 
and that's but that's that hard truth that people don't want to face um you know not putting people's business out there but like one of my siblings he recognizes that he has certain issues he talks to me about them but when it's time to address them he ain't ready to because that's that hard truth that he has to face and he ain't ready right and we we do have to be ready to understand that when we are able to be uh, strong enough to move forward in our own process we do have to remember when we were not and have sensitivity for other people and i know that you have that but at the same time we as people tend to look at a circumstance from a surface value and we don't always have the insight or choose to have the insight that makes a difference you know because i i have food addiction i tell people that you know i i sometimes wish i had another kind of addiction because it's more acceptable there's more help huh can you not be a crackhead please sir that i'm what i'm saying is you addiction is addiction and it comes from a place of you know that needs healing but at the same time we justify some things and not others because we don't understand uh, some things or one of my biggest pet peeves is someone struggling with something judging someone else struggling with the same thing or or anything because the 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 empathy part is that a struggle is a struggle whether yours is you know, drugs, sex, alcohol, you know, shopping, food, whatever. If you are struggling with using something, some, any, any substance, anything to comfort yourself in a place where you should have other options, when you're struggling and you're using other things to make you feel better, when you can actually heal and be better that's that's hard period no matter what you're using struggle is struggle Mm -hmm. and we don't like you said we don't acknowledge we don't acknowledge that and have empathy for someone struggling and you know you struggle too right right you know i've i've gotten in arguments with cigarette smokers who are judging crack smokers and i'm like you're addicted too Right. Why are you judging them because their struggle is slightly different? It's still a substance struggle. So, and this, it goes back to that value business. We're taught we compare. Mm-hmm. We compare. Well, at least I don't do that. What? What? Huh? <laughs> the fa- I mean that that caveat. At least I don't do that. That's not. I mean that that's not appropriate. It's not even healthy to have that kind of mindset. Well, at least I don't do that thing that that person is doing. They're way worse than me. We're all messed up in ways that we need to have fixed. What they say, your, your blues ain't like mine. Listen, and and the bottom line they is... They all blues. <laughs> the indigo, uh, sky, mm-hmm. all, all blues. But it, it's so important that we have sensitivity for people as humans, all struggling to be better. And just because my struggle might look lighter than yours, doesn't mean that it is because you know just like you being into fitness and weights and things like that you know if one person's strength and endurance allows them to do you know pick up 50 pounds and another person who looks like their strength and and endurance Mm -hmm. um could afford them the same thing but it doesn't doesn't mean that that person who looks stronger is stronger yeah and it's one of the reasons why i have not trying to say this delicately it's one of the reasons why I haven't gone completely off on this one person at work is because I know that what they're dealing with doesn't have anything to do with me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I mean, it took some people to persuade me of that, but I see it now. Like he, he has been dealing with a lot in his life that he's probably never addressed. A lot of childhood trauma that I know has resurfaced in his adult years and it comes out in his treatment of everyone else, mostly me. So that has really kept me from like snapping his neck because I know it ain't about me because he does it to other people. And what I have said to him recently is I can give you my therapist number. <laughs> Which I'm sure he did not like either. <laughs> like I don't need therapy. <laughs> but I I just know that 
more people have to hear and be able to connect to conversations that they relate to about these kinds of topics. There are people who are struggling with underestimating and undervaluing themselves every day. Just like you said, this is an everyday thing. There are people who also look in the mirror and say, I'm not enough. There are people who, who look in the mirror every day and say, I, I don't want to go because I just don't, I, I'm, I can't. Yeah. You I, know. Missing out on opportunities because you don't feel like you deserve them. That's like, I should have that on a t-shirt. You know how many opportunities I've been like, I'm good because I just don't feel like, or didn't feel like at the time that I was worthy of them. And that's jobs. That's, um, material items that's cash that's situations that's friendship that cash left on the table yeah <laughs> lord don't let my mother hit it she'd be like you turned down cash so yeah i'm gonna send it right to her as soon yeah. as this, i'm gonna be like barbara listen to this honey <laughs> so, barbara, this i mean yeah and i mean we're talking 2021 this ain't i ain't talking 1993 i'm talking like this year alone i've not felt like I've deserved certain situations or I didn't apply for a job because I felt like I can't do that. I mean, even with this new opportunity, how many times did I ask you, can I do that? And how many times did I tell you, come on, sir? You know, but the, the bottom line is that I can't tell you this is that, 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 that and run it off and be so frustrated because you don't get it. And I'm not saying you, Winston, I'm saying a person. None of us can can do that to another person. But we we have a tendency of operating that way. Mm -hmm. We have a tendency because it, it is frustrating. I know my brother, my brothers have been like my biggest fans in my life, you know, especially my younger brother. And he he tells me all the time, Donna, you don't even see the light that you you don't even recognize how powerful the light is. I wish you would see it. You know, and and people tell me that all of the time. And I'm like, I'm just be I'm just regular. Right. You feel like this is just me going about my day. Right. You know, it's like I, I, I don't see I can't imagine being another way, you know, as far as those things are concerned, the things that that I do naturally that are from my heart. I just don't I don't see it going another way like this is how it should go. But people tell me all the time it's not it's not regular. And, you know we have to, for me, I have to continue to petition the throne and ask God to, to give me the grace and the wisdom to accept who I am in him so that I'm able to do what I need to do in him to be to the king. Yes. <laughs> ex expressly. If you could in the TSA pre-check line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't be with everybody with the, I can't take my shoes off. I'm I need to be able to so run right through. Huh? I'm outside now, so you may hit a cicada. Sign. Oh, I don't want the cicada business. Okay, I'm going back in. <laughs> Jesus, but I um, I, I'm so thankful that you are a part of this process and sharing with my listeners on this pruning project because so many of us have this same issue. So many of us are struggling to accept who we really are. You know, and and that is because somebody somewhere told us that we weren't worth valuing and it mm -hmm. stuck with us. And not only they didn't necessarily have to say it like that. They could have inadvertently did it. Of you course. know, like the, the, the kids growing up with me, I don't think they knew at that time they were creating this this level of of insecurity. Not even that, but like inferiority. Yeah. And it wasn't their intention either, you know, because we do things that have irreparable damage, but we, we that wasn't our intention. Mm -hmm. But just because I tell people all of the time, if you slam somebody's finger in a car door, just because you didn't mean it doesn't mean it won't hurt. Mm -hmm. It's going to still hurt the same way it would if you had done it on purpose physically. But if you did it on purpose with, you know, malice, there's another level of hurt that's not physical. But at the same time, the physical pain of it doesn't matter what the intention was, you know. And we we have to recognize that when we start talking with people who are still dealing with the sensitivity and the hurt of what they're going through, you know. As as I mentioned with the last week, with traumatized and triggered, there are some things that happen, and other and people don't even know why they respond the way that they do. Yeah. And then you're on the outside looking in with the with the twisted neck like what the but 
if we can just be honest and recognize that there's sometimes somebody twisted their neck at us, we have to just be sensitive to be more patient and compassionate with people because we're all doing what we can to get to the next level. Some are doing it differently than others. I won't even say better. I'll just say differently because. Or some are not doing it at all. And we come across those people too. Right. And, and we have to have, some people aren't even strong enough at this point in their experience to want to try to do another way. Some people aren't strong enough and we have to have enough emotional intelligence to recognize when somebody is struggling with something that they may not have the strength to deal with to not add to that, to not make it an issue for, not make their healing an issue for us. When you recognize someone is at a place that is not conducive to a fruitful exchange with you, uh, some some place that can grow and be better for having been there, then you can't mm -hmm. go. Yeah, one of my um, friends, Ashley, who um, shout out to Ashley, she's got her PhD too. But um, shout out to Ashley, woo, -woo Doc. She, she she knew. Remember the other day when I was supposed to call you back and I didn't because I was dealing with that person who just refused mm -hmm. to address it. Mm -hmm. I was having a rough day and she called me and she said, Winston, I see what he does to you. And she she said one thing regardless. Bandit said she see to it. Yeah, Bandit can't stand him. But anyway, <laughs> mama. Um, she like, yep. <laughs> she said Winston, regardless of what he says to you, regardless of how he treats you, regardless of what he does, she said, remember who you are. Absolutely. She said, you are who you were before him, and you will be who you are after him. And like, Shout out in to that, Dr. Ashley. Shout out to Dr. Ashley. In that moment, I really needed to hear that. Cause I was sitting here letting him like push me off the deep end. I was getting upset and I was like, ah, and she was like, remember who you are. She was like, do not let him trigger you, push you, affect you. I mean, it's easier to say it, but you know, I knew what yeah, she meant. For sure. But sometimes all, that's all we need when we're in a healthier place, because uh, two years ago, that conversation <laughs> might not have helped. It at would all. not have helped two years I ago. I know. I already know that two years ago, it wouldn't have helped. But because you are a different version of yourself, because you're always who you are, but the versions of ourselves that are better, stronger, wiser, more productive, more sensitive, more pliable, are able to do things that former versions of ourselves could not. And that's the thing. When somebody tries to deal with you in the former version of yourself, or someone tries to take you to a former version of yourself, you have to have those people in your life, those experiences, those higher powers that we lean on and rely on to say, I'm, I can't go back there. I can't go back there. And I'm glad that you have that. I'm glad that, that, you know, God has instructed people with insight to be able to connect with you in, in ways that are relevant. Same with me, same with every other person. We all have someone who is connected to us in different ways at different times that are specific to our growth. And we have to be conscious of that and not push that away because we don't, we, we get uncomfortable with the prospect of growing because it's unknown. What yeah, does that it, look it, like? That's, that's always been my biggest fear. It's never been another person or insect or cicada it's mm -hmm. always been the unknown and that goes back to that whole control i can't control the unknown so i don't want to step into it because it makes me feel weird and, and it's true and it's true and i i know that as we continue to grow then the obvious value that we have will not just be evident to others it will be evident to us and we will not just see it but embrace it but protect it and, and and be empowered by it i know that you are a super busy person and i want to thank you for your time and i want you to share in closing if you if you could tell the world one thing about value and underestimating ourselves and and what what it feels like to move forward in a different way what would you tell people what spot you put me on go ahead <laughs> I'm just saying, what would you what would you leave with a person who is also struggling with underestimating and undervaluing themselves? 
I would say find your happiness because the struggle for me was always having it defined by everyone else mm-hmm. and saying, Winston, you should do this or Winston, you should do this or I think you should do this because I know this side of you. It has to resonate with it. You have to find your happiness, not the happiness that people define for you. You know what I mean? Like I, I do. That's why I was unhappy for so many years because it was like I was always eight different versions of myself trying to live a version of happiness for this person and then my family and then coworkers and then friends and then people who I just met. It was like I had to find that one common thread. Almost like in my interview when I was asked that question, what will all these people say about you when I ask them this one question? What is your legacy? Exactly. And that's why it took me so long to answer that question because I was like, what will people say? And that's why I had to think deep, like, what is what is me? What what am I? What is me? Lord, my mother was slapping. Y'all was about to say that English teacher, your mother is about to God, what is me? She was like, Lord. This whole like, episode, she don't want me to delete. She'd be like, what is my legacy? Because that ain't the legacy I taught you. What is me? Lord. This whole episode, she gonna ask me to delete, like, uh-uh. Right. Uh-uh. Like, that ain't my son talking about what is me. But seriously, find your happiness, not the happiness that you think other people want to see. Because that's what I was doing. I was I was not living a strange life, but you know what I mean? Like, I was going down a road that other people planned for me. I know exactly what you mean. And I, I know that there are others listening who know exactly what you mean as well. And I, I want to thank you again for your willingness and transparency, because most people don't like to talk about things that don't that aren't on the highlight reel. Right. insecurity and under undervaluing yourself and not having full confidence are not things that people put on their resume. No, but, this, this is where you need that game show music to fade out. <laughs> but everybody has something that they're dealing with. And the good news is that if you deal with it, if you see it, you identify it and you recognize it doesn't need to be, you can spot it, pull it out, and replace it. You can replace it. You can put something else in that spot that will grow and make manifest something beautiful. It doesn't yep. have to remain. And you know when, at least I do, I know now when something don't feel right. I'll be like, oh, that ain't it. That ain't it. I can't do it. Like, I don't even, I mean, I slip sometimes, but you know what I mean? You, you start feeling yourself going back throwing down those old dark roads. I'm like, yeah. ah, no, I'm good. Right, right. And that, that takes some growth. And that I think that is the overarching message as we conclude what you are today isn't the final say. It's not the final product. You can move past this place. You can identify the value and truly estimate your your value and your worth based on who you are and what you bring to this life experience. Everybody has something that they are intended, that they were purposed and created to bring. Everybody does. Everybody. Everybody does. Whether everybody will is something different, but everybody has the ability. We were all created with a purpose that is specific to who they are. And once you find that, once you're able to be strong and committed to that, you're able to move past the place of undervaluing yourself. I'm in transition. I can't say that I've fully arrived there, but I know that's a that's part of the destination. It's it's not it's not it entirely, but that's part of the journey and understanding who you are and acknowledging what you can do helps to build that value for yourself and for others. And so I appreciate you sharing yourself today. I appreciate all that you have given to my listeners. And as I say all of the time, if you listen, boys and girls, it just might change your world. It's changing mine. And I hope you allow it to change yours as well. Mr. Chapman, I thank you. I want yeah. I'm sorry. Hey, your listeners, my cash app. No, I'm oh, no, sir. <laughs> <laughs> no, sir. Give them, look, give them badness cash app because she's right. like, nobody interviewed me. <laughs> she's like, I got plenty to say. I got to make up for that money I left on the table. <laughs> oh, let me tell, let me call Barbara right after this and be like, did you know? Yeah, that numbers game. <laughs> that casino. <laughs>
that that whammy you hit by leaving. <laughs> My mother gonna be pissed. She was like, exactly how much? Did you leave? <laughs> well, for those of you who don't know, this like I said when I when I started. Winston is one of my favorite people in the whole world. This is a constant communication of laughter and foolishness with us sometimes. So I appreciate you all listening. I know that you uh, had some great levity brought to your day. I know this conversation made you think and made you laugh. And so I'm thankful for that because laughter is as healing as medicine. So uh, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you all go ahead and do what you were going to do this Saturday before I sprung up a bonus episode on you guys. But I thank you for your time. Daily double. Good. (laughs) Y'all have a good one. Bye.